0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. Today, we're putting the spotlight on student voice. We have on the show today Angelina Dayton, a.k.a. the VR Lady, and Donna McTaggart. And they're with us today to talk about the upcoming Students in VR conference. Welcome to the show, Ladies.
1: We're glad to be here. That's wonderful to be here. Thank you.
0: So ladies, tell us a little bit more about students in VR and the conference itself.
2: Well, in February, Laurel Van Fossen and Daniel Bryant did this incredibly, wonderfully successful Educators in VR Summit, and it was uh, by educators for educators And they had already kind of recognized a need for a conference by students, kind of for students and educators. So this was actually, this is actually a project of educators in VR and it expands on that conference. Um, But kind of by a new audience, I mean, by a new group of people for kind of a new audience. And Donna and I are leading and coordinating that effort for them on May 7th and May 8th in in Engage and in Altspace VR.
0: That's fantastic. I know often, as a teacher myself, that students get forgotten. You know, there are rules made in schools, there's systems put into place in education, and student voice is often left out. So it's fantastic or wonderful that students are getting an opportunity to show us and tell us a bit more about what they're doing in VR. Uh, what motivated you guys to raise the student flag, so to speak?
2: I, I think that um, we recognize that as education moves forward, the distinction between student and teacher is going to become more and more blurred. Teachers will become more like a like a guide as students begin to own their learning and and um, and so many, Teachers um, are going to be looking to their students to help um, in the creation of the environments in which they learn and even in the contributing to the content. So the students in VR as a group is in place to start exploring this kind of paradigmatic change in education now that emerging technologies has made it possible for students to become active in the creation of the world that they inhabit. And I would even say in the, in the knowledge that's created You know, so they're creating the world and they're contributing to the knowledge that's being created. And this is uh, students in VR is just the platform to kind of explore and share the change that's happening.
0: Why hold the conference in VR and not just regular uh, video conferencing?
2: So I think that um, VR allows for an embodied collaborative learning in a way that video conferencing just doesn't. Video conferencing at best is turn-taking, and at worst, it's passive learning, right? And so I really think that volumetric platforms will be the way that we will engage in the future, and creating those immersive environments and learning how to teach in them is what we should be doing now.
0: Donna, I know you've been in VR... A lot of times, what what do you appreciate most about being in VR compared to video?
1: It's presence. It's all about presence, and you just there's something about feeling like you're in the same room. You you have a different kind of shared experience, um, and it's. I mean it if you liken it to um, comparing um, having a phone call with a friend or meeting a friend in a coffee shop, right? There's it's both can be appreciated. Both can um, you can, you can have a connection at both, but there's something about that in real life um, communication and VR takes it um, allows us to have that close to real life connection with people from around the world. And it just, and you feel like you're in the same room. You sort of forget even a lot of times um, I'm a multitasker. Um, and a lot of times i 'll be in 2D I'll, I have um, um, apps installed on my computer, and I literally go into a VR app through my pc and I still I forget that I 'm looking at this screen. I forget about my environment around me. I forget where i 'm sitting, and I actually feel like I 'm in the room and I actually feel like I 'm with those people and we um, that are with me in that room. And we all, we comment on it a lot, how we just feel like there's a togetherness um, inside um, a VR app. It's, it, it's hard to explain. It's, it's certainly something to be experienced.
0: What a fantastic answer. I want to unpack the multitasking thing for a minute here because I try and preach to uh, my students to try not to multitask. And I do a little activity with them. It's called The Right Family. So what happens is I form a group with students, maybe there's 10 people in the group, and you have to hold an object in your hand. And I read a a story or a vignette about a family and they're called the right family. So in the story or vignette, there are several words, right and left. So every time the, the students hear the word right or the word left within the story, they have to pass the object around the circle. So the idea of this activity is they're trying to listen to the story, but they're multitasking. They're trying to pass the object around the circle. They're sort of bewildered as, as to the the point to the whole activity in the first place. And then when we're done, I sit them down and I ask them uh, comprehension questions about what went on in the story. And in nine out of 10 cases, many kids have a hard time understanding what went on in the story because they're too busy multitasking and sharing or passing this object around depending on the word right or left. So I love your point about how VR kind of shuts that down. Once you put a headset on, it's you and whatever's in the environment and it minimizes that multitasking. So thank you for saying that. Let's Talk a bit more about the conference itself and what might be going on and what are some of the topics that maybe some of the students are envisioning or presenting on. Can uh, someone speak to me about some of the uh, ideas that our student presenters will be bringing forth on stage in VR?
2: Yeah, I think it's important to note that it's not just the content, but the way that they're going to be presenting content that's going to be unique. We tend to fall into the old ways of teaching and learning and lecturing, and these students are getting very creative in the ways that they're showing that the medium will allow for a a new new ideas of, of uh, how to um, how to share and how to uh, collaborate and how to and how to teach. Um, one of the students um, is named Yasmin, and she will be showing um, her creations in tilt brush, um, and she'll be interviewed by Steve Bambury. Um so in the background will be video of her um her creations while she's also um engaging in an interview. There's a student named Chloe that will be actually giving a lesson in Cherokee, so she'll um spawn objects and engage and um then teach the word for it and 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 show ways to um express giving or taking something or showing a like or dislike for an object that she spawned. So it's a very um, um, participatory a lesson. There'll be two high school students named Hagen and Nick that will be showing uh, an actual environment that they created in Neos VR um, that is a Cherokee village and um, explaining the process by actually showing the process of creating within that platform. Um, and then um, a student named Kayla is going to show how algebra, which math is not normally people's favorite subject, how algebra can be engaging and embodied if you do it within a um, uh, volumetrically inside um, inside e- either a, an already created program or if you create your own environments to explore kind of the the uh, everyday algebra of our lives, and so um, so she'll show d- very various ways to use content that's already out there or to contribute or or create your own content so that your students will want to learn the math um, that a lot of students don't want to learn. So it's not just the content, but the way that they're showing it that I think is going to be interesting.
0: And not only that, but not only that, but I I like that you said process versus product. As a design teacher, for many years we try and teach the kids that it's the process of making, not necessarily the product itself that's so important and so how wonderful for these kids to have the experience presenting in vr i'm sure many of these kids have stood up at school or in some platform or venue in front of a crowd but you know doing this now in vr is a whole new sort of set of skills and experiences that we're giving them that i think is fantastic
2: And we say kids, but the actual students, I like to say 95-year-old people are students in VR sometimes. So we have graduate students, um, all learners in VR right now. And so when we say students, it's broadly defined. We do have some elementary school students that will be showing us that even though they can't create content yet, their jobs are to maintain the cleanliness of the headsets. So they're going to talk a little bit about how to maintain headset cleanliness and we have high schoolers, but we also have college students and graduate students, and so um, students is broadly defined for the conference. We're all learners, so
0: good clarification. Do we have an approximate number that we're hoping to have for the conference in regards to presenters?
2: I'm going to defer to um, so we'll have. I'm going to defer to Donna on that. Um, sure. So how we've broken
1: out the conference is we're doing it in two days, one day in Space, one day in Engage. In each day, we're breaking it out between a European audience and a North American audience based on time. Um, time zones are um, one uh, a thing that we deal with in uh, virtual that isn't such a big deal in real life. But when we get into a virtual space, um, now we're connecting people from around the world and time zones become increasingly important and an increasing struggle for all of us. Um, so we've broken it out between European and North American in, in um, so two different six hour sessions with a two hour break in between. In those six hour sessions, we have four hours of presentation time, like four separate um, one hour presentation times, as well as a keynote. And so the presentation times will be used um, the way the, um, the mentor is meeting with students and they're preparing the, um, the, um, the presentations as per what um, Angelina just said. So we're doing, so we end up having 16 presentations and four keynotes over the span of two days.
0: Wow. And each,
2: each pre- presentation can be anywhere from one to four students, depending. So, um, so there's more than just sixteen presentations. There's sixteen sessions, and That's then right. and then eat the there may be more than one presenter inside any given time slot, and and that varies. So what we've done is we've given the. Um... So each hour has a mentor, we call them.
1: And that mentor is working with a group of students. And like Angelina said, anywhere from two to four. So they're determining within their hour space um, if they want to present as a group or they want to do individual, exactly how each pre- each presentation will be um, unique. And that's one of the things I love about this conference is because we've given the mentors and the students um, free reign to use that time to teach us things in the manner that they want
0: fantastic this is hard to hard to gauge when you look on social media because many of us adults don't necessarily follow students but i'm curious as to whether you think the uptake and adoption of vr is higher in students now i know angelina did a great job to define What we mean by students, students can be uh, a learner per se, is the uptake of Angelina's definition of students, which means it could be someone that's 90 years old, but is learning something, or it could be someone that's, you know, in kindergarten learning something. Do you think the uptake of VR is higher in students than say adults in business, et cetera, for VR?
2: I think that there's such a digital divide that the the question of economics um, and affordability plays in a lot into whether or not you can get a a, a um, HM, uh, any kind of device into your the hands of a student. Uh, what I do find though is, in regards to students and teachers, um, students the way they engage is very much. Different. And so I think that those people who are coming up are not content consumers, but content creators. And so what we'll find is a transformation within the next 10 years that those students that are in this conference right now are going to be the teachers or the heads of industry pushing this technology forward. So whatever is happening right now, I think, is the precursor to it, the engagement being older people and people that want to make it um, uh, a part of what they teach or, um, both in industry and in education. So, um, we're in the middle of a transformation because the youth are really pushing content creation, not content consumption. And so they very soon will be the people that are leading this emerging technology. And so you're going to see, I think, you know, within the next five to 10 years, a huge transformation in who the, who the users are going to be. And I think affordability is also going to play a, a huge role in that.
0: Is that shift a consequence of intrinsic motivation? Or do you think that the education system is transforming enough to cause this shift externally?
2: I think, it's, um, um, I, I think that the primary um, influence is that the medium is a different type of medium. Right, and so television was very passive, and the generations that grew up with television weren't creating content. The new, the new media that we that children consume, you can create content, and so they want very quickly to become content creators. And so the education system, of course, is still using static books, which is not a medium that <laughs> that lends itself right towards. Um, towards the type of engagement that students um, yearn for. You've heard me say this before, Craig, Donna has too, that emerging technologies has finally caught up with the creativity and genius of youth. And so the the technology itself is allowing for a transformation in, in learning. Um, and those of us that didn't engage in that technology tend to be consumers more than creators, I think. Because that's I the me- cr- the mediums, uh, the mediums kind of pushed us towards consumption and not creation.
1: Well, and the youth have the benefit of having had access to some of this since um, shortly after they were born right and they're they've grown up with technology um, in a way that um, that adults haven't necessarily and so we know that it's always um, easier to uh, learn when you're younger it, it it's we learn all our life but it, it does get it is definitely easier when we're younger and and these youth have an um, just this amazing um opportunity to build on things that they learned when they were really young that we as adults are still struggling to learn right um now they're they're building upon um that technology and i it it, they blow my mind every day and i'm I'm excited to see um what um that generation or a couple generations come up with as i as i
2: watch them expand on things they're learning
0: i feel like the
2: I'm sorry, I was just going to add that I feel like the job of education in the future is just going to be 90% getting out of their way. Mm -hmm. So go on. Sorry.
0: (laughs) That's okay. I was was just going to agree with Donna. I know, you know, there's all sorts of words or labels put out there. But, uh, you know, one that came to mind when Donna mentioned that was that, you know, these, the youth are what we might call digital natives. Because as Donna said, they're growing up with all sorts of, you know, it's a changing, evolving technology and the the curve of innovation in the world we're living in right now is so steep that you almost, as a youth, you know, you have to just open your arms and embrace it. Whereas when we were growing up, I would argue that technology, the change and pace of change of technology wasn't as steep. And, you know, we didn't necessarily have to stay caught up and still be part of the normal world.
1: That's right. The change was definitely um, slower. Um, but um, the other thing, and this, this ages me a little bit, um, but my high school that I went to got their very first computer. Just in the office, it wasn't even access for the students. It was in the office the year after I graduated from high school. <laughs> and so some of us really have had no, no um, ex- exposure and experience with technology during those years where we learned so many things that we based the rest of our life on, right? So, uh, so it's, uh, students definitely have an opportunity of changing the world in a way that we just simply can't imagine right now.
0: Let's talk a bit about the two platforms that you're going to use for this conference. So many educators listening to the podcast might be relatively new to VR in general. And so the two platforms that were mentioned are Altspace VR, as well as Engage. Can uh, each of you talk a bit more about these platforms? What are they like? What What would a person see or experience in regards to them?
1: Um, I'll maybe start with that. So there's there's different platforms out there, but social VR is still such a, a new thing. I teach um, I teach one-on-one um, classes inside um, AltSpace, and often let people know that are new to VR, no matter what age they are at, thirteen or older, um, that. They are really pioneers. It's still beyond. It's we're still not really early adopters to take this kind of technology, right? We're blazing the blazing a pathway for for what will become when um, Facebook, Horizon, or di- or different apps like that become more mainstream. So right now. Um, everybody's sort of in it together, learning together. Social VR, um, Altspace would be a social VR app and people find it in the gaming section of an oculus store or Microsoft because there's sim- simply is not a category for social VR, right. So between the two, there's there's all sorts of differences. there's all we pick two only because that um, you want to make it manageable when you're um, organizing a conference like this. So, I would see engage has um, is a, a great educational tool. They have things like um, 3d objects. I think they have over 1200 different objects that you can bring into a space. You can have people in a space and easily um, change it from one environment to another. They have a lot of um, um, they have one particular feature. It's called spatial recording where you can actually do a recording of somebody giving a presentation of some sort. And then later during a presentation, just with a couple of keystrokes, put that recording in and it almost looks like um, I will, I will tell you sometimes you do not know that it's not the actual person giving a presentation at that time. This The spatial recording is so um, lifelike um, inside VR. Um, but, so um that's engage. all space has is combines an event space with more of a social environment so there there is a lot of um destinations which would just simply be for social rather than um, specifically for learning so it encompasses both and i think that it's a little bit less structured but it's also a free platform so it's free to um to go in it's free to host events it's um more open it can handle more people so they have limit they have limitations to they don't you can't bring in 3d models easily into a room you know with with lots of people but you can have rooms that are larger you can mirror rooms and so you can easily um have um hundreds of people at an organized event inside mirrored rooms um, what what comes with that kind of situation then is you need more moderation because it's easier to get into. It's um, it's uh, used by a lot of um, different age groups and different um, different people, and so more moderation is you is needed within um, structured events or maybe even in in common spaces. Um, the uh, engage that I mentioned has the the recording features built right in AltSpace you have to bring something in. And so there's more of a learning curve for um, a film crew, say, um, that's going to film the um, individual events um, or conferences, et cetera, inside. So each one of the um, platforms is used um, differently. And I, what I like about this conference and what the the thought behind what Angelina's put together is that the different presentations will highlight the different uh, features within um, each app, and so um, I'm. Uh, I, I'm excited to see how the how each um, presentation group uses the platform that they've been um, that they've selected um, to present.
0: Wow, what a thorough and fantastic answer! Um, there's so much that needs to go on to organize a conference, let alone a conference that's virtual there's so many things to consider stuff under the hood that you know people who participate sometimes forget about can you talk about a few other things you've already mentioned stuff like you know having a moderator you've mentioned organizing a timetable that meets uh, a variety of time zones around the world cuz these presenters that we have are coming from different sort of parts of the world you also mentioned uh, having uh, video recording. What are some other things that need to be considered when organizing a conference in on this scale and magnitude?
1: It's kind of, It's sort of ironic that it really doesn't turn out to be any different than organizing something in real life because the 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 difference is your location is virtual opposed to physical right so but um, in a physical thing you may have to worry about coffee water and um, and serving bacon for breakfast if you um, and here you you get to exclude those kinds of things right but you're right then there's other considerations I think um, because virtual brings people from around the world it's a 24/7 platform right no matter which one you're talking about it's a 24 24- four-hour platform, that's the great thing about brings people from around the world. But now all of a sudden time zones become really significant. And um, I know even just um, asking people questions, we're not used to answering in a time zone yes 9 p.m is good for me or 9 9 a.m is good for most people and for me it's 9 p.m probably and the um but we don't think about the fact that it's 9 p.m somewhere around the world all the time right and so the the significance of time zones is really interesting um and trying to coordinate And the, um, but, but it gets right down to, um, everything that you have to think about in a real life conference, you have to think about here too. So prepping speakers for, um, in, um, their presence on the stage, right? So those presentations, getting them ready to um, the way they speak, um, the different tools that they might, may want to use with the, um, what kind of slides they want to show, if they want to show slides or engage, what kind of objects they want to bring in, just getting everybody um, used to that, setting up practice sessions. Um, and the rec- um, the recording is a big thing. Um, the, uh, and, and you mentioned moderation. So yeah, there's, but it gets right down to it. It's really not that much different. And there's the concept that, oh, good, we can have a um, a conference in virtual reality. Now it doesn't cost us anything. And that mentality is um, something that is going to change over the next few years as people realize that the um, co- um, the organization of these conferences take as much time. Um, re- the resource time, as in real life ones, do because they really um go through the same checklist, almost the same.
0: Do you do you think there'll be a day where cost starts to factor in? I know uh, we all three of us were in involved in not in organizing, but involved in some way with the educators in VR conference, and that was free. And then I've noticed lately there's been conferences in VR. For example, they just had one in Paris uh, called Lava Virtual, and that was free. Do you think there will be a day where conferences in VR start to charge money again?
1: I absolutely do, and I'm a a proponent of this. I think that within the XR community, those of us who are working inside this, um, in this space, that it's really important that we put value on, on what's happening because there it really is virtual is just another space it's it's a different room right instead of being across the table in the same room you're across the table in a virtual space but everything around it it still took time and effort so like I said there's costs that you can reduce um, so hotel costs flight costs amazing what we're doing for um, the um, the climate right mother earth is is celebrating right now as all of us are staying in our homes and and it's its brilliance is coming to light, right? And as we do virtual things, we get to um, we, we get to have a less of an impact on the planet. But it's still in every other way; it's still involving everybody's expertise. And what the, in a real life conference, people are bringing their expertise and their time and their learnings. Well, it's not any different. And I think that it's not sustainable to continue to um, for the XR community to do everything for free. Um, it, that's just not a sustainable model. Now, what can happen though, is it can be done for reduced costs. So for the summit, for instance, I was the, um, for the educators in VR summit that happened in February, I was actually the summit manager for that. And it was an unbelievable experience um, dealing with um, the different speakers and the different issue you know issues that we had with the platforms and the sessions and and how do we book sessions there's all sorts of these challenges and it it took a lot of time to do that. and I think each one of these conferences um, that's free is giving people exposure and increasing the audience. But I do think that conference fees, Um, for that are moving from in real life to in virtual the conference fees can change they don't have to be as high because let's we um, there's just there's costs that don't come into virtual but virtual is not cost um, cost free right there are costs associated with it and um, and I think it's important that um, that we place value on um, on the expertise that's being um, contributed
0: I agree with you. Great answer. Um, Let's shift back to the students in VR conference for a moment. So what kind of measures will you guys use to decide that it was a success?
1: I'll start with this and Angelina can fill in, but I think that um, we've, we've actually talked about this. And I think this we already consider it to be a success. We've already found a group of people who have a um, that we've that we've picked out that we've um, approached about being mentors and finding students in their in their um, community that they would be willing to work with to create the presentations. Right there, that's an amazing. an amazing thing that they're doing and that's already, no matter what the presentations are for us, it's like icing on the cupcake because the, um, the process of what they're going through is already a success. These kinds of conferences, um, exposure for these students to, um, to contribute to the um, to these different XR spaces, we want to do more of that in the future. So this is like a template. So every single thing people have been contributing is already a success. Now we're going to be li- um, we're going to be making it available for people to be in the room. We're going to be doing a live stream. People are going to be able to watch, and I think that it's going to be important to us to see how many people. Um, how many people watched how easy it was that for them to find uh, like there's there's new challenges that we have for these um for these virtual experiences to to get um the links out to people to watch um so there's there'll be things like that that we look at but i i love the fact that um as collectively as a community as a as a committee um that we already see as a success by the um the
2: actions people are taking Our ultimate goal will be that we'll have uh, regional students in VR um, subgroups that will do their own conferences eventually, but we'll collaborate with the larger students in VR community. And so we're laying the groundwork. Like Donna said, we feel like it's already a success because it's the beginning of something a lot bigger, and we've started it and we'll constantly improve upon it and things will change, but we've seen a large – Amount of support and interest. And so, just beginning the platform it, um, for us to begin to discuss how students can contribute to their own learning and own it, own their own education is, is already um, a marker that, that we're, we're moving in the right direction and this is very much needed. So, I agree, I concur.
0: <laughs> and, Angelina, one thing you mentioned and then something sparked in my mind, and that is, you know, this does act to pave the way, or I think Donna used the word as a template, and I can't help but think about debating tournaments or model United Nations uh, events that go on around the world and wouldn't it be interesting to see if these kinds of uh, conferences could also be done in VR because right now the there there's a heavy involvement around the world with MUN or Model United Nations, but these tournaments aren't happening right now because obviously you can't get together. So uh, it'll be interesting moving forward to see uh, how that all plays out.
2: I have full full confidence that if students have the ability to make their own choices about how to engage in their learning, they will totally take the ball and run with it. And you will find Model United Nations um, in VR Faster than we could put it together because they will, when, when they have an interest in a drive, they make things happen and they do it better than we can even conceive of the, the idea to begin with. So I have full confidence that that's going to be what's going to be happening in the future. And what it does is, it's such a mobility
1: equalizer. So now, all of a sudden, people who wouldn't have the opportunity to ever participate in something like that—whether it's because of economic reasons, whether it's just simply you can't travel, whatever that is—or um, people who with um, disabilities of any kind VR is such a mobility equalizer. So, so brings every um, brings people together in a way that um, they couldn't um, in the past, and. The other thing is for um, social isolation, and there's a lot of. Right now, we're doing a lot of self self isolation. Right, there's a lot of there's a lot of kids out there that are socially isolated just because they don't feel comfortable. And I'm um, being in in groups, they don't feel comfortable in their school. They don't like they simply don't feel comfortable. And I'm continually amazed by conversations um, that I participate in or overhear of people inside VR who speak about with the with this enthusiasm and excitement that you simply can't duplicate how they couldn't they just can't believe how their life has changed because they've made friends they've come in and they can be able to speak and now all of a sudden they're asking questions in a room where there's 40 or 50 people and they're talking to the program owner of Altspace for instance and they're asking a question and engaging with people in a room and they're it's just, it's hard to, um, it's, it's hard to describe what that's like when you hear people who are liberated in that way. And I think that I'm going to your question that now all of a sudden this opens up, um, the plot, um, opens up the space for people with all sorts of different voices to contribute to the conversation.
0: Wow. Well said. I am so excited to, uh, watch this play out how can other people listen to or watch the students in vr conference
1: well again i'll start with this and then angelina can um uh, she's such an eloquent speaker can round this up but we are going to have a website studentsinvr.com and the there will be links on the website to a live stream there will also be the opportunity to enter the events um that you can actually be in the audience for um, in all space or in engage. So from the website, there will be links for people to do that on the
2: day of the event. Um, we're also taking all of the content that's being presented and we'll be curating it so that it will be archived for um, math teachers that want ideas on how to do algebra in VR, for art teachers for people that are creating environments in EOS VR for all of the topics will, it'll be a searchable curated, um, place, place to go and both find other people that are doing things similar to what you want to do or f- find people that can teach you how to do things you want to do or to generate ideas, um, that you can expand upon. And so, um, if you, if people are not involved, um, at the moment, um, they can take their students in the fall when they're all back in the classroom to look at some of the uh, live streams that we will have archived.
0: Excellent. It, ladies, is there anything else that maybe you wanted to mention or talk about that we haven't talked about already uh, on the show?
2: There is going to be what's called and what we call in betweeners, which is while we're highlighting AltSpace VR and engage, Um, There are two other platforms that in between the uh, European time zone and the North American time zone, um, they will have open events in Neos VR and in Minecraft VR. Two people will be hosting, I mean, two, there'll be two hosted events so that teachers can be exposed to two more platforms. And in the fall, we hope to do another Students in VR conference where we'll be highlighting many more platforms and having many more student speakers. So this is not the only event we are doing. Like Donna said, it is, the, um, it is just the template for something that we hope to duplicate in the future.
0: How can people get a hold of you guys if they have more questions or just want to continue the conversation? Maybe they're excited themselves about trying to do something like this.
2: Um, I can always be reached at uh, vrlady.com or thevrlady at gmail.com or thevrlady1 on Twitter. And now we have the studentsinvr.com website. And Donna? Um, I'm uh, on Twitter, I'm
1: just uh, Donna McTee, Donna MCT. And my, I'm also a lot on Discord, uh, Donna MCT3813.
0: Fantastic. Listen, ladies, normally I I anticipate that a uh podcast goes for about 30 minutes. And I know when I go beyond 30 minutes, it has been a wonderful, fantastic conversation. And we are well past 30 minutes. So that's a, a testament to you guys and your ability to explain and make uh the topic so interesting for all the listeners. So thank you so much for that. But more importantly, thanks again for raising the student platform and giving students, as Angelina talked about, the opportunity to, you know, move everybody else out of the way and let them sort of take hold of the ownership and the agency and the responsibility that they so deserve uh, when it comes to Uh, learning and engaging and leaning into learning like this. So uh, hats off to you guys. I look forward to uh, watching this conference play out. I believe May 7th and 8th. Is that right, Donna?
1: Yes, that's correct. Um, 7th is in um, um, Altspace VR. On on Friday the 8th is in Engage.
0: Wonderful. If you guys hang on after uh, I close this out, we can have just a quick talk or chat. Thanks again, ladies.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I miss one of the things we love about VR um, in all spaces. We get emojis. So I'd be throwing up hearts if I could.
0: (laughs) I love those hearts. (laughs) Have a great day.